It's Thursday, June 3rd, and you're listening to a brand new episode of The Julian Dion Show with Jen Grant. On today's episode, from numerous CBC debaters' appearances in all major comedy festivals and clubs and theaters and television appearances across Canada, the very funny and talented comedian Don Kelly phones into the show, plus The Daily Dose with Jen Grant, your comments, and a whole lot more, and it all starts now. Now. Why don't we do a take two? As, wait a minute, let's start again. Hello, hello. <laughs> Hi, this is Ron Votary. This is Alex Nussbaum. This is Jason Fraser. This is Matt O'Brien. Hey, this is Ray Zwicker. All right, world. My name is Cal Post. Guys, this is Christina Walkinshaw. This is Eddie Delisepi. This is Adrian Spencer. Uh, my name is Timo. And you're listening to the Julian Dion Comedy Hour. You're listening to the Julian Dion Comedy Hour podcast. <laughs> Who am I talking to? What am yeah. I doing? Julian Dion story. Comedy Hour? You're okay. listening to the... Ah, <laughs> See, I took the word out comedy. Changes the meaning completely, doesn't it? Days and not really, I'm overworking, but days in the holidays. Happy holidays. You're listening to the Julian Dion Comedy Hour podcast. Now broadcasting live and totally uncensored. <laughs> From Lemon Press Studio in the beautiful Gatineau Hills. Project. I was like half asleep on the couch and now I'm projecting. Hey everyone, this is Christian Potenza. This is Gay Trevor Wilson. This is Jean Paul, aka the Island Hipster, hashtag hipster business. This is Steph Tola. Hey, this is Jake Goldsby. This is Sky Wallace. Hey everybody, this is Erica Sigurdsson, aka Ricky Siggs. Hey, hello. Hi. This is Howard Wagman. Hey, this is Peter Anthony, the PA system. This is Matt O'Brien. Some people like to, that's my rap name. This is Jen Grant, and you're listening to the Julian Dion Comedy Hour podcast. <laughs> Show you and me belong, just like the flowers, laughing all day long. People, I need to lose. Sing a little song, then take a shower. Julian Dion. It's, it's a show. It's not an hour. It's a show. It's okay. Alright, 
Welcome to the Julian Dion Show with Jen Grant. We've got a full studio this morning. We've got Hudson, we've got Gordy. And to my left, your right as always, the beautiful, the talented, my co-host and yours, Jen Grant, ladies and gentlemen. Episode 388, Thursday, June 3rd, coming at you, broadcasting from Lemon Press Studios, Sigurd, and the beautiful God No Hills, hi, hi, hi. Adjusting my boom, my mic boom again. What's that? Oh, the old boom adjustment that we know and love. Did you get uh, the sounds worked out with my mic and everything? Yeah, you're good today. All right. Okay. It's just a waste of time. There we go. Very excited uh, today. We're talking to dear friend, the hilarious and talented. Donald Kellington will be joining us. Don Kelly for short. Yeah. What were you going to say? I was going to say, I didn't know if you were going to say his real name. Oh. Yeah, of course. <laughs> that was a joke. Remember when this was a comedy podcast Not and I didn't really. have to specify all the time Not that I was really. joking? No. Yes, Don Kelly. You've heard him on CBC Debaters. You've seen him in comedy clubs and comedy festivals all across this great land. You love him. You know him. Don Kelly. I'm just going to say Don Kelly until 7.30. Don <laughs> Kelly, ladies and gentlemen. Mm. Haven't talked to Don in a long time, so it'll be good to catch up. I know that uh, he works. He's got things to do, people to see, so we'll keep it... Um, We'll be respectful of his time. I know we can ramble on when we have guests on, especially uh, those that we like. Mm-hmm. Any hoozle, here we are. Jen, yeah. I love you. I love you, too. <laughs> what, is that why you were smiling so much? No, I'm Off just happy. No, no, no. No. You were excited and looking forward to doing that? Um, I love you, too. <laughs> Ken, if you don't know, I, I actually I actually isolated that and sent All it right. to him yesterday, but he did put it on the the soundboard, of course. Ken, our good friends. Uh, oh no, no, sorry. It's just um, um, Don is saying that his headphones aren't working this morning. We can oh. still have them on, regardless. Uh, we'll see. I'll, I'll send him a message. He says, so sorry. May, he might not be able to make it, which is fine. Yep. That's well, okay. Um, if you're watching live, Don, right now, no pressure, no stress. Yeah. All good either way. If we can... Uh, hold on. Let me just... Um, Does he need his headphones? <sighs> not, not, no, not really. But I'm just... Uh, yeah, if it doesn't work out, we can do it another time. No problem. I'm just going to message him right now. We can do it without 
headphones or reschedule. Mm-hmm. Totally up to you. Yeah, zero stress. Although I didn't prepare much. <laughs> <laughs> Thinking we'd chat with him. We no. can still we even when stuff isn't prepared sometimes we we can really chat it up. I've got a daily dose. Oh, f- don't forget we're we're um professional comedians. Ooh. So we can we can vamp with the best of them. I was this is I, this is how adult I am now. Go ahead. I was like overjoyed when I saw it it rained this morning, like irrationally. Oh, you're one of those people you wake up and uh, it's raining and you go, well, the, we needed it. Oh, yeah. Like I'm but I'm more over the top. Like I was so like happy. Ah! <laughs> ah! No, really, it's been so dry. And some people say it's a bummer, but I know that our plants are happy and, and a happy plant means a happy rhymes with plant mm. <laughs> nant <laughs> happy Mant. plant means a happy aunt I've got a lot of nieces and nephews I see all of my plants as my nieces and nephews no I'm really happy about it because Aww. when there's nothing like a good rain for your plants anyway I'm that adult <laughs> oh I'm that God. adult I I I just keep on reaching new levels of nerd. I'm gonna isolate that clip. There's nothing like. If, oh, I don't even remember what uh-huh. it was. You can't just it can't just be all clips of making fun of me. Um, Not that you do. <laughs> this is why I don't do things for you. <laughs> what I'm do you mean, don't do things for me? You always want me to say little catchphrases. And You're I'm doing, doing things it. for me last night. Yeah, right. <laughs> Guys, don't believe that. Okay, uh, did Don get back to you? Not yet. Well, I mean, it's still we still have 15 minutes, so until True, true. Did you did you want to do the daily dose before? I don't care. Jeez. There's nothing f- as good for plants as a good rain dump. Hi. I'm Jen Grant, environmentalist. And rain enthusiast. Good morning. Oh boy. I'm here to talk to you about the water that falls from the sky. A lot of people sometimes will yeah, see that. Yeah, we should probably do the daily dose. As a jury. <laughs> I don't know what I've done the last two nights, but I've slept right straight Sleeped. through. Slept? Yeah. What did I say? Sleep? I've slept. <laughs> I've slopen. I've sleeped right through the mm. night. You haven't read before you fell asleep both nights? Yeah, I did. Not last night. The night before I did. You did for sure? Yeah. Hmm. Do you think really reading will prevent me from reading, from sleeping? No, but I just thought I'm just trying to... That's like the opposite of what people say. You want a good night's sleep? Put down that book. Did you not look at your phone close to bed? I I don't know. I think you avoided your phone. Were you on your phone when we... And I'm superstitious. I'm of that of that. Uh, like if I have, I do that for everything. If I have a good set, I'm like, what was I wearing? What was I doing? If I have a good set, we know it doesn't. Uh, that's a big if. <laughs> the yeah, I don't know. 
but not since I was a teenager have I slept through the night. I, like I didn't even wake up to to, to pish. Nothing. Okay. <laughs> Enough. I'm like now I'm watching your finger scrolling, <laughs> zipping around the soundboard. Well, I'm starting to get to know the uh, soundboard. I love it. I love you too. Oh, thank you, soundboard. Ooh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. This is a night my living nightmare. Anyway, um well, I wonder what it could be. Cuz they say that you shouldn't look at your phone before you go to bed. I feel like I looked at it. Not like I don't ever bring it in the bedroom or our bedroom Did you is drink a drink most of your water really technology early? free zone. Yeah. Our room is almost a technology free zone. What does that even mean? And there's some technology in technology? there. Technology? <laughs> I don't know. The uh, I don't know, but I haven't probably since I'm 14 years old. Step slept straight through. Straight through. We didn't even wake up to pish. But I woke up. I was like full, full, full. Took a long one. <laughs> All right. Well, yeah. What are we doing? This also, is content. It can't be like that. You ate early or anything because we ate late. Who knows? Who knows? By the way, it's interesting. Ne- we're taking a few days off next week. Did you nap yesterday? Shortly, short, short one. Did you nap the day before? Yeah. Is this boring? I don't know. It's yeah. I mean, yes, a hundred percent boring. <laughs> Snap. But uh, whoops. Whoops. Should turn notifications. Uh, okay, Don says he's good now. So all right, perfect. Ten minutes. He probably watched the last 10 minutes and was like, oh, well, I'm, yeah. they need me. The bar is low. They need me on this show. He probably saw the first 10 minutes and was like, not only do I not need my headphones, I could have my laptop outside <laughs> while I'm inside the house and it would still elevate the, the, the show. <laughs> it would. So we're taking a couple days off next week. Monday, we're going to have Derek Sagan calling the show, friend of the show. Very funny comic. Yeah. You know him. You love him. He'll be calling in around 8 o'clock. Not the usual 7.30? Well, it's kind of up. I kind of leave it up to the guests. Oh, yeah. Oh, I should have given Don that option. We'll vamp for... Well, Don works, so I know that... uh, Yeah. But um, we'll take Tuesday and Wednesday off. Are you coming, by the way? Out of town? I don't know yet. No. Discuss that later. Feel free to let me know anytime, eh? Mm-hmm. I've got a TV uh, taping on Tuesday with a set that I've never done before again. Same situation as last year. These are always fun <laughs> and not stressful whatsoever. <clears throat> <laughs> I'm going to have to practice it like today and rehearse it. Because mm-hmm. if I show up on Tuesday, not know, like I'm just in my head, it's the day is a nightmare. Yeah, I've got two sets in Montreal Monday night to practice. One in a comedy club. One's outside. It's uh, in a park, and it's going to be a nice day on Monday, like thirty-three degrees. So I'll be doing comedy outside. Wowie! Hello! Wow! You with me? I am. I feel so. Do you feel rusty? Doing comedy or this? Both. Yes and yes. I know. When was the last time we did comedy? Hmm. Uh, Hubcap? Could that be? It's like the, in the last year I've Which done... Which is so- February, right? 
though I've done stand-up since then. Have I? Shit. I don't think I have. Uh, just Zoom. Yeah, Zoom comedy. It's been a while, though. Oh, what a time. But the, but we've done it so few times that the breaks don't even seem that much. Yeah. Like, having done it in February, it's like, oh, that's fine. Whereas before, if, had I not done a set since... No, I've had to have done something since then. Jeez, you just made me nervous. I was fine. Ah, <laughs> you'll be fine. Hey, we should remind people we have merch. We do have merch. If you go to shop.lemonpress.ca. Ah, uh, oh shit, I forget. I keep forgetting to take the free shipping off. Well, we'll do one more day, free shipping. Oh, my God. <laughs> if you go to shop.lemonpress.ca, we've got uh, mugs and hoodies and T-shirts. The Julian Dion Show with Jen Grant. We've got a Watch Your Head mug. We've got a Nugget Mugget, a Nuggy Muggy or a Nug Mug. We've got the podcast artwork, all of it. Go to shop.lemonpress.ca. I love it. Thank you so much. Look at that nuggy on that muggy. So, yeah, so next week we'll do Monday's show, then we'll do we'll be back for Thursday and Friday. We'll take Tuesday, Wednesday off cuz I'll be um, coming back. It's far. It's like Magog. I've never been there. What a name, Magog. You know what it sounds? How do you say it in oh French? <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> How do you say that in French? Magug. Weird. Yeah. Yeah, it's almost four hours away from here. I, I don't know. Mm-hmm. I'm nervous thinking about all of it. But at the same time, yeah. not, you know? Yeah. Well, I mean, that's the thing about stand-up's one of those things, performance. It's, you can't just, like, you have to... I don't know. You just have to figure out a way to make it work, even though the n- the nature of it is you need to perform in front of people. After my Just for Laughs gala in October, I figured cannot be worse. <laughs> Where I did a full set in front of zero audience. There, there's actually going to be an audience in this one on uh, Tuesday, at least 50 people. And it's a small theater. The Just for Laughs Gala was in San Denis Theater, which is like a 3,000-seater with zero people in it. And they said, just fake it. We'll use B-roll footage from the galas leading up to this week. And it was a comedy nightmare. Like, I've <laughs> had those nightmares of having oh, a big yeah. opportunity and no one's laughing. Yeah. And they're like, don't worry, it'll come out fine on TV. It actually did come out fine. They only used about... It took me, uh, like, 20 minutes to get through an eight-minute set because they kept saying... I'll do that one over. I'm going to start that one over again. I'm going to take that sentence over. Cause Are you glad that you did that? I guess. Because it could be awkward in the moment to do that. Like, But without an audience, you don't really care. There's nobody there. And Okay, I have a question for you. Because remember, now we're not going to name any names of which show this was or anything. But I remember you talking about at one point, you did a show where it was like pre-pandemic. And it was the audience the volume of the audience was really bad and it made it look like things were not going well. No, that, that was during the pandemic. Oh, okay. That was last August. It well, was 50. 50- I figured you didn't have to t- say what it was. Why? I don't know. Because what, it's what does kind it matter? Of, well, because cause you're kind of, I, I'm, I'm sort of critiquing the production of it all. Like, it was terrible production. They, they, I thought they would sweeten up the laughs because in the room, it was actually a lot of fun. There was 50 people. It was a small theater. It was only about a 300 or 250 or 300 seat theater. So 50 in there is totally fine and it was fun, but on camera it doesn't come across as fine. 
So I come out and I'm like, I'm hosting the thing. I'm like, am I bombing? It looks like I'm bombing. And then I bring up the first comic. He does his opening bit. He goes punchline and all he hears, <coughs> literally a person like. And that's when you you go, phew. Did they not right? have, I know, Like selfishly. you almost have joy. Like. But I'm like, did they not have uh, uh, a tumbleweed in the props department they could have thrown in there? Or some crickets? <laughs> of literally the quintessential cough. He's like comes out and like all confident and like da 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 punchline. <coughs> <laughs> it was so ba- like this would have been better. Oh my god, yeah. Some some shows I'm like, Ooh. But the just for laughs one, it actually did come out fine. But it was, and at first it was a set that I'd never done before in my life. I've told the story before. I won't go through all the details, but. When I got booked on, it was just like three weeks before the galas, they asked me to do it. I send in a script. I'm like, sweet, it's just for laughs. I can do like my tried and tested material. It was full pandemic, so I hadn't been on stage maybe a dozen times. And so I send in the script. They're like, well, because each gala has a theme, they like your opening about your accent and the rest, not so much. I'm like, well, I'm like the accent part is literally 40 seconds maybe they're like just (laughs) stretch that out so for the first time in my life i used a computer and a blank piece of paper and i just wrote eight minutes of comedy i usually write on stage and then do it on paper but this was blank i send it in they're like yep great and two days before they're like you need a closer i'm like fuck so i just put together this set that i had literally never done once for the biggest opportunity in Canada, like comedy wise. Wow. And then, uh, so it was a nightmare. It sucked. I was in the green room go- going over the lines before. Oof. And so it actually did come out fine. They only used about three and a half or four minutes. So it's like short. And, uh, but it looks like a full theater people. And I am soaking wet in it because they didn't even do, they didn't really have makeup people there because of the pandemic. Usually they would cut and they would like powder you up. I am just drenched in complete sweat. So it can't be worse than that next week. There's a small audience. It's material I've never done in French, but that I've done in English. So I just it's not like completely new. Whereas the Just for Last one was 100% new. It was a nightmare. The only silver lining to that is that there's a tendency for us comedians to get a bit lazy and rest on our laurels. Because once you have good material, it's tempting to just keep doing the same material. Uh, even though it's not fun. The most fun is trying new material. But, you know, we're lazy. Like, a lot of us are lazy. Yeah. And then we don't write new material, but this forces you. And <sighs> then you realize, like, when you do things, and we're about to talk to Don about this. Uh, well, I hope to anyways. Ask him this question about debaters and how he enjoys that. And he's a really good writer. And, and it makes you write things you wouldn't necessarily write and then you realize oh like i can actually do the i i can do this if i have a deadline and it makes me so is that a nice transition to it is and it's just about that time so let's give uh, dk a call what do you say jenny i love it all right here we go <clears throat> Very excited to uh, talk to Don. And um catch up. 
little catch-up sesh, live and direct on a Thursday morning. Can't wait. Let's do it. Let's do Let's do it. It's ringing. It's ringing. No. (laughs) We should have the uh, Jeopardy. uh, There it is. Maybe he's. um, Well, hold on. <laughs> and now his mic doesn't seem to be working. Yeah, it's funny. <laughs> All right. Technology. Well, that's the thing in the last year doing these zo- these Zoom shows and these podcasts and these video conferencing calls uh here, let me try them one more time, is that people have become tech, more technology technologically savvy, like we know more, but we've also had to work through all these kinks on the air. Lord knows we've had ours. Let me try them one more time, see if, see if this works. Let's see. I think he's stressed. We can reschedule Don. That's not yeah. a problem at all. I wish you could leave voicemails when when yeah. there's no answer. Why? Like that should be a Why feature. Don't you just write or you know what? I, we should invent a technology where you can leave voicemails on Skype or Zoom or or FaceTime. Well, he might be able to do it tomorrow. Or so just we can a video. Just leave it. Uh, yeah. You know, I have to say. Can that you message him? Yeah, sure. Just do it tomorrow. Just say, uh, no problem, we can reschedule or something. Uh, just to confirm that we're rescheduling in case he's trying to get it to work or something and we're just, we've moved okay. on. I don't want to... But uh, no stress. Totally. Let me see. It's just loading. My compute's slow. Oh, he said try once more. Here we go. Let's okay. try once more. With the lovely and talented Donald Kellington. I believe we're Hello. live and direct. Let's see if his mic is oh, mic yeah. is working. Yeah. Yes. Joining us live, the one, the only, the talented. You've heard him on CBC Debaters and seen him on stages across this great land. And on TV. And on TV, of course. Don Kelly. Hey, gang. Yeah. It's working. Perfect. (laughs) (laughs) I've gone through three devices to get this to work. Woohoo! You did it. I figured if I'm getting up this early, we're we're making this happen. (laughs) Starting off with a humble brag. Look who's got three devices. Wow. Uh, uh, Don Kelly, uh, thanks so much for joining us. First of all, it's so good to hear your sweet, sweet voice. I don't think we've seen or heard you since what? The, the Sunday taping. Funnies? No, the JFL. Oh, original. yeah, that's right. Yeah. Of course. In uh, March. That's right. The uh, Sirius XM taping. That's right. And you guys, were just, you guys were just talking about recording during the pandemic. Jen, weren't we supposed to be uh, allowing longer 
pause breaks and laugh breaks during the taping than we were actually getting from the small, socially distanced audience there. I know. Yeah. <laughs> that was very awkward, that recording. Like, I'm really grateful for the opportunity, and I'm really, really happy. But talk about pivoting, eh? Like, what a, what a time to be a comedian. Well, it's... It, it is... It, it, oh, sorry, Julie. It, it was odd because... Yeah, at least there was a live audience there. I know you were talking about the difference between doing something to an empty room or to a yeah. smaller group, but they were like, pretend it's a bigger audience, and yeah. you know, it, it, your timing it totally goes against all your sense of timing. So even though there's not, it's still unnatural. So it's just it's weird in this weird pandemic <laughs> yeah. time. All these different variants of comedy that uh, you're trying to do. Yeah, it's, and we're out of practice and all those elements and like It's unnatural and they're basically sitting you down production and going, "This is going to suck, but imagine that it doesn't." <laughs> yeah, exactly. And you're like, "Okay." Well, <laughs> like they're like gotta, You're not doing I've, it for the room. Zoom. You're doing it for the, uh, the the recording. It's like, "All right. I guess so just ignore the uh, weirdness in the room." Yeah, I heard you talking about your Just for Laughs taping, and uh, I did a um, a set for a summer solstice. It's actually an Indigenous Peoples Day, but it's airing this Saturday, which is not Indigenous Peoples Day, but it's just kind of gearing up, I guess, into the roll-up to June 21. It's It happens this Saturday, and it's all different. Everyone had to sort of record their own things on their own and send them in, which then gets edited in, in together in a big gala production. So I did seven minutes. This was my recording. I did seven minutes of stand-up with no audience and zero laughter <laughs> and it was not my worst set ever <laughs> <laughs> uh, i've done those two where you pre-record them the only thing i find that's annoying about those is that after it's harder to it's it takes so much longer to because if you do it on zoom or or live to tape or something you just do one take because it's live Whereas I've pre-recorded sets and I do them over and over. I trip up on a word, so I start over again and then I'll edit it. And it's like, it ends up taking so so much longer. Like, did you do any editing or anything or did you just do one take? No, no. I mean, I'm, I'm pretty, well, as, as this morning's connection proved, I'm I'm fairly low tech. So I thought I want to do this all in one, uh, one take. And of course, a one camera shoot and uh, found a nice little... Uh, uh, an empty gym because, of course, they're all closed with a nice just sort of, you know, blank wall behind me. So there was no sort of like weird background or whatever. And I did it. Uh, I Well, I didn't do it in one take. I wanted it to be one seamless take, but it took me about five takes. And, yeah, I had to pause. And it's funny. I'm kind of a um, from the grinning idiot school of comedy. So I'm sort of like chuckling at my own jokes in between. <laughs> and uh, it's just, it's, yeah, it's, it's, you try, you know, you try your best. Do you have anything coming up this year that's already booked for live in front of people audiences? Have you have and have you done a lot of these virtual shows in the last year? I have actually consciously not done a lot of virtual shows. I've done some that I thought were maybe for a cause that's worth helping out. But uh, because I'm not relying fully on stand-up comedy for my income, I've been actually been able to you know, I haven't sort of like sought them out. I know I would be if I had to, yeah, you know, if that was my income, I'd be, I'd be doing as many as I could. But in some ways, so I've been able to say no, but I have done some and I've done uh, some debaters. They've tried a few formats with CBC's debaters, if there's any fans out there. They did debaters at home where mm -hmm. you sort of, we, we, you do it off your laptop. And what was interesting there was they actually had about seven of the production people 
not mic'd, but kind of sitting there. And, and you know, in stand-up, honestly, that helps. Like, you'll do rooms, and I, I don't mean like a 400-seat theater where eight people show up. I mean like just a small room that maybe seats 20 anyways. Yeah. And if it's half full, that alone helps, right? You get some feedback, you get an audio, you can get a little rapport going, so that helped. Um, and then they've uh, done some shows with laugh tracks as well, which is it was not as unnatural as I thought it would be, to be honest. Like, a, any kind of feedback helps. But, you know, I, I did a recent debaters in Toronto Toronto, and because they can't get a big audience in, they said, you know, normally when, if you're going to laugh at your opponent's lines, you know, you step back from the mic because you don't want to be heard. They said, no, lean into the mic. So I've heard a couple of them aired, and you know, and there's me. <laughs> I thought, okay, next time you do one, don't lean into the mic so much. So, yeah. Well, yeah, and you sort of rely on the post-production, too, to uh, to kind of help with that. But like I was saying before, I've done some where they just did nothing in post, and it's like, sweeten it up, do something. And I agree, it, the uh, laugh track is not as off-putting as it does as it sounds on paper. Like, it's it actually helps just have some sort of, even if it's a fake response, just with the timing and the flow that we've been used to forever, you know? Well, we've seen we've seen comedians that like to laugh at their own jokes as a cue for everyone else to try to to maybe this is the time for you to do it. So yeah. the laugh track is a suggestion. This is where the funny is, in case you were wondering. <laughs> That's right. Well, they asked, uh, uh, you know, with some of the laugh track shows, they said, you know, if you can just send us in a little set list and let us know, you know, where you what the beats are, like you know, small laugh, your chuckle, and you know, big laugh on your on your big punchline and you know your temptations you know just crank it up all the way through i'm gonna have the yeah. best set of my life tonight so let's go let's, yeah. let's do this yeah. good, e good evening good to be here <laughs> love what you've done with the place <laughs> yeah, i'm laughing already <laughs> there's some comics that there are some comics that will almost not say anything and get those laughs and it is frustrating it's like what are you doing you, I, I, you try to break it down you're like why are, is everyone laughing that much it's like a trick have you ever seen that oh yeah oh I, yeah I'm all, I'm all diplomatic. Have you ever seen that? Yeah. <laughs> well, I'm all, I'm all pausing. That I, there's no names I want to mention, oh, but no, no, no. <laughs> some are coming yeah. to mind. Oh, yes. <laughs> uh, you had mentioned, Don, that you don't have to rely on stand-up 100% for your income. However, you I have to mention that you have an excellent, amazing career that you virtually could. Uh, yeah, like, you work a lot. People that do it full-time would want your career. Yeah, exactly. But what can you tell us what you do during the day, just briefly, so we know what you do? Because you do very well, you know, important work during the day, like your day job. Well, I, it, since I moved to, to Ottawa, which was late 90s, I guess, way, way back in the day, I, I do like, sort of communications work, so, which, you know... Uh, people always ask, I, I told someone once I do communications work and they said, oh, what kind of cell phones do you sell? So it's <laughs> and there's an old joke in the communications profession. What do we do? Well, it's hard to explain, but uh, it's it's a lot of media relations, public relations. Um, I'll, really what it comes down to for me is a lot of communication strategy, so it's a lot of writing. So then the focus I've worked on uh, has really been on First Nations specifically issues, more broadly Indigenous issues. Of course, Indigenous peoples include Métis and Inuit. Uh, but I, wor I worked at the Assembly of First Nations for many years. I was their communications director. I now work for a major foundation that wants to get um, Indigenous youth uh, through education and then on to meaningful livelihoods. But really what we want to do is really look at 
supporting initiatives that are really working to change the whole education system and, and employment system so that it better reflects uh, Indigenous values, worldviews, and really embraces and embeds those values. So, uh, yeah, so I've been doing that for a while. So I've also done contract work, but that's always been the other thing I've been doing at the same time. And I, I see stand-up, and, and whether it's the, the stand-up or the debaters or, or other things, it all, to me, kind of all fits in with communications. I mean, you're trying to find ways to get uh, important, I'd like to think messages across, not important because they have to do with me, but I think they're important to Canada, uh, you know, ways to get them across to a way that really brings support to uh, uh, build support for the the initiatives and the agenda. So to me, there's it, it's not exactly the same. I'm not sure you know writing comedy when I'm doing my communications work. Although sometimes, you know, we had National Chief Perry Bellegarde on uh, this hour has 22 minutes a couple times because he felt it was important that to reach Canadians in all channels. So th there's definitely some parallels there. And like I say, it's all about really trying to clearly communicate. You know, a good joke is fairly crisp, and if people laugh, that means they got the point you were trying to make. So th there's definitely parallels this True. might this and, might go ahead Jen. oh no i was just gonna say uh you can tell that you care about what you do and it's and it's meaningful work and and you're really smart and a lot of times uh they say good comedians are often have to be smart and you obviously know what you know and and disciplined you know like yeah. this might be a dumb question but be, because you write so much in your day job do you think that helps you just even with your work ethic as a comic, because you are a fantastic writer. Your jokes oh, are so, so precise oh, yeah. and, and efficient, and there's no wasted words, and you're just a great classic joke writer. Do you think working that muscle out in your day job helps? Yeah, I, I actually do. I've always felt uh, if, you know, whatever whatever I can bring to the table as a comedian, I think I'm a better writer than performer and I'm not fishing for compliments. I mean, but I think that's always been, it's something I've always loved doing, even as a kid, you know, just, just writing, whether it was sort of uh, essays or stories, always loved writing. And a lot of my day is writing. And uh, again, you know, you're, how do you cut to the heart of what you're trying to say without sort of you know, being uh, overly wordy. Uh, I also worked for a few years when I started, before communications, I started media writing for CBC Radio uh, as a writer-broadcaster, so it wasn't comedy, but that's writing for radio really helps because you learn early on on television, you can show the image. You don't need to sort of describe things. You can just cut to the point, but on radio, you can't, and on radio... People, if they miss something, they can't flip back and re-listen to it. I mean, nowadays with streaming, right. of course you can, but but you know, back in the day, or if you're driving in your in your car, uh, someone's driving in your car, listening to your piece, you've got to be really clear and to the point, and right. as well also bring some description to it. So that was really good training for writing for the written word. So that 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 I think still is a big influence as well in terms of trying to, uh, you know, yeah, like you say, be be, be clear, concise, and uh, and and make a good point. Have uh, have you been writing a lot of comedy during the pandemic? Not as much as I thought I would. I mean, uh, I but like you were saying earlier, and, and I guess it's just saying the obvious, but it really hits you, you know, when things opened up the few times that they have here during the lockdown. You start to realize all your jokes. Well, now how can I say this? I have a joke about being First Nations and and going to the a crowded bank. And the teller says, who was here first? And I go, well, technically. <laughs> and then suddenly I'm like, yeah, there's no 
crowded banks anymore. Right. <laughs> like, and, and it's kind of like when you get a dated joke. You don't want to be that guy who's like, hey, remember a year ago when we'd go to the bank and it was crowded? Yeah, I used to. And then suddenly you're like, well, yeah. you know, really? Well, <laughs> so he... it, but, but I have written some stuff. But the, the problem is, you know, to this day, I've been doing it long enough that I wish when I wrote something, I'd know if it would work or not or have a good idea. And I'm still not sure. So I've got this stuff I want to try and uh, who knows if it'll work or not, right? I mean, just uh, I hope so. But uh, yeah, you definitely want to, this really has changed, uh, uh, you know, what you can say and do without constantly flipping back to remember when. And and, and this thing has been last, has lasted so long that early pandemic material is now old. Like, what are you going to dust off your, your Tiger King material when clubs open up again? You know what I mean? It's like... Yeah. Already, that's uh, old news. It's it's um, it's been a weird year for for writing and uh, creating comedy, but it's also in, in a way re- removed the pressure of it. It's because we're kind of all in it together, and it's like, well, you know, we're all going to be a little rusty and and weird when we get back to it full time. Yeah, that's that's how I felt a few times too. It's like, okay, welcome to the rehearsal gang because here we go, and uh, and and it is that sort of like it's it's two sides of the same coin. On the one hand, we're rusty, and you know we all feel like uh, open micers again. But on the other hand, I have found I take nothing for granted. But uh, at least the few times we're able to do it, like the the crowd seems happy to be there, so they're a little more in a better mood than they might have been walking in on a you know on on a early show uh, Thursday or something like that yeah. when you're tired and it worked all day. I think there's a little sense of it. It's, it's nice to be out. Absolutely. And they also understand. Uh, it's like for the first time ever, uh, audiences kind of understand the struggle of a comic when you're up there because they can't imagine, uh, you know, because c- they, they can see that m- most of us have not done uh, much uh, or had much stage time over the last year so there's kind of this weird understanding with audiences and uh, and like you said they're just so happy to be out and there's just this we're all in this together vibe it's um interesting times it's i think it's going to be a lot of fun when things fully open up uh you know we've had a couple tastes over the last year of when cases were low and stuff but i think we'll we'll be booming we'll be a little resurgence Agreed. Hey, uh, Don, you've also been on TV on um, uh, a couple shows now, right? Like, is there two two shows you're on? Fish Out of Water and you're on a new one now? Yeah, I've been on a couple APTN shows, Fish Out of Water, four seasons we did there, which was a lot of fun. And now Crazy Like a Lynx. Now, Fish Out of Water was, was you know, the whole idea, like, I'm, I'm the urban Indian you know, I always say my, my son, I'm very much an urban Indian. My spirit animal is a giant tiger. So to thank you. <laughs> I'm at I'm at Yuck Yucks late June. Anyways. <laughs> <laughs> so the whole idea was the 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 city Indian, I'll say Indian, you know, would go out to the boonies and uh, learn the traditional skills. It was a lot of sweat, but a lot of fun. I mean the whole idea of the show was to be real, but so let's bring a lot of humor into it. Yeah. <laughs> What's that? It's interesting. Like, actually, you know, it's it's fun. It's a f- funny concept, but it's also must have been really cool and interesting for you to learn a lot of that because you couldn't have known all of it, you know. Oh no, I didn't know a lot of it, and like even my own, I, I'm an Ishinabe, I'm or you know Ojibwe. You, you'll hear I didn't you know know a lot of my own traditional skills. We used to I used to go to the res a lot in the summer when I was a kid. We'd fish, and I can you know like canoeing, fishing, that sort of thing. I can do picking wild rice. I've done that, but even then, my own skills I didn't know a lot. So to go and learn all these other ones, and 
I just got to go to some really cool places. Like if you know, if there's a map of North America, and I can put a pin on all the places I went to because we did a lot of episodes in the states. It was just a real treat, and just everyone was so, so welcoming cool. and willing to share. Everyone yeah. got it, so it was great. But and then yeah, so now we're doing Crazy Like a Lynx with my dear friend and a wonderful lady and a hilarious comedian, Dakota Hebert. Uh, we we co-host the show. Crazy Like a Lynx is a little different. It's a similar idea. They We go out to these places and they put us through our paces, but it's the whole idea is what are our people doing now? And so the best example I can give is, for example, we worked out in, uh, we went to Vancouver and worked with a First Nation snowboarding team. And they do snowboard, they're competitive, but they also bring in, you know, their coaches who are, who are um, Indigenous you know, they'll learn about values. They'll learn about what the, uh, you know, what the mountains meant to the uh, to their people. They'll learn about the the values they bring to competition. Uh, they they'll they'll do uh, some traditional, uh, you know, ceremonies before they compete. So it's really that blend of what our people do now. We've we've done some in restaurants too. You know, where people bring in traditional uh, cooking or or nouveau traditional, if that's not a contradiction in terms. And then we learn all about you know how do you actually make a restaurant work? And it's a lot of fun. And we would have been out shooting right now, except of course this uh, this little thing you may have heard of came along that's uh, that's stopping us. But I don't know about you. I'm I'm starting to feel optimistic. Uh, I'm not trying to be naive. I'm not getting my hopes up, but I'm starting to feel a little more optimistic. And I, I say that in light of you know uh, some people have have had real difficulties during this pandemic. So mm-hmm. I'm not trying to uh, lighten that, but I, I'm feeling a little better. Yeah, it does seem like we're about to turn a corner, and there is light at the end of the tunnel, uh, especially with the vaccine and everything. It it looks. Yeah, I agree. I think we're, I think we're getting out of it. I, yeah. But I've, to be fair, I've I've thought this four times in the last year. I've been way off, yeah, the mark. So um, who knows? Don, how are you able to do these TV shows and also do your day job and also be a comedian? <laughs> like, how do you? You must get overwhelmed sometimes. Be honest. There must be times where you're like juggling. Like, how do you go off and shoot these things and also keep your day job? Do you? Are you able to manage all of it? Well. It- it can make for a hectic schedule, especially, um, you know, the shows I'm doing, that the travel isn't just like going to major cities where it's relatively easy to get to. You might have a longer trip, but, you know, we've gone to some sort of out-of-the-way places, but, of course, that that's a real thrill. You know, I've been really lucky to work with uh, people and organizations that understand the value of what we're doing. And, and believe me, I'm not trying to say, like, this is an important world-changing show that we're doing, but but they've understood the value of showing uh, the way, you know, our people live, the values that we bring to it, and the fact that, you know, we're showing that, you know, people have traditional values that still apply to today. They're not just sort of like, you know, lost in the mists of time. So I think think that's been the big thing. And that's just really lucky because there's a lot of, I think, organizations or jobs you could have where people would say, well, no, you know, you got to choose. You want to do this or you want to do that? Well, where do you want to go? So I've just been really lucky is, is all I can say. And I've never sort of had to, to, to really plead the case, uh, but I don't take it for granted either. I mean, people have been really lucky. And, you know, there have been times where I've been on, co- I, I've decided to go on contract work because uh, I just, you know what, 
I just want to be able to do the show and then do contracts when I can and you can organize your own schedule. Yeah, that's, uh, yeah. But I have done it a few times where, where they've just said, you know what, we'll just, yeah, yeah, I mean, <laughs> weeks without pay, you name it, because the shows pay me or whatever, and uh, it, it, it's worked out well. Oh, that's good. We, um, we're, we, I know you're on a tight schedule because you're working, and uh, but since we have you here, we'd, we'd uh, like to touch on, obviously, the... Uh, horrific news that's come out in the last uh, week of course uh, that we're talking about uh, in Kamloops the 215 um, uh, bodies that have been found in a mass grave children and it's uh, it's hard to bring up and transition into it because I might ask dumb questions because I think one of the big issues in in Canada is that there's a huge gap in awareness um, for example, I was talking about this on the show a couple of days ago. Like, I, I didn't even know what residential schools were until, honestly, Gord Downey uh, brought it to uh, my awareness a couple of years back. Like, we just don't know these things. We're not taught the horrible mm-hmm. history and what, what um, Indigenous people have gone through. Actually, you taught me a fact that was mind-numbing. When we went out to dinner a couple of years ago, you said there's about 300,000 um, native uh, Canadians that have no access to clean drinking water, and that today—that's like an actual fact—and I couldn't believe that. Um, so, so basically, what I'm saying is, there's a huge gap, and and specifically towards regarding the uh, residential schools, is this something you you always knew about, as far as the extent of the atrocities that have happened? Oh yeah, yeah. Yeah, I mean, I can't say I always knew about it, but um, I will share with you, you know, my father, who's now in his 70s, uh, was taken to residential school. He had four brothers, and this would have been in the 50s, late 40s, no, actually it would have been the the, the 40s, actually, because um, they came to the community, you generally show up with a a Indian agent, you know, some government bureaucrat, uh, an RCMP officer or two, because... Uh, you know, kids would run into the woods, the parents would send them out, they'd hide under the beds, you name it, they would forcibly take them. My father was only four years old, and uh, he was too young to go to residential school, but they thought, well, we're taking all his brothers anyway, so let's take him. So, you know, it's, it's his story to tell, not mine, but he has spoken about it publicly and written about it, so, uh, you know, I don't sort of, in some ways, I don't feel I'm transgressing by saying that, but he had all the horrible experiences you can think of. Um, And I remember, you know, there was a time where every time they would get together, always a lot of laughter in in First Nations communities. If there's any stereotype that's true, that's one, always a lot of laughter. But quite often, people of his generation, there would, the conversation would always turn to the residential schools. And I think, um, you know, two points worth making. One is we hear a lot about the abuse and, uh, and, and that happened. I mean, it was rampant. It was terrible physical sexual abuse. But the Royal Commission on Aboriginal Peoples in its final report, a big look at Aboriginal peoples in Canada and, and the history, <clears throat> like made a really good point. They, you know, these schools were designed, there was a reason they took them from their families and communities. The whole idea was to just drastically sever them from their culture, from their language, so they wouldn't learn it. And that's why they were, they were punished if they spoke their language. The whole idea was just to colonize and assimilate. It was not about education. The education they got, like they would learn, uh, you know, some basic math, some basic spelling, 
and then most of the day the uh, the kid the, the boys were working in the stables or tending the grounds and in the afternoon you know the girls were learning sewing and things like that so they clearly weren't trying to produce the next generation of artists and engineers and uh, politicians and lawyers this was like basically manual labor most of the day they weren't about education they were about assimilation and colonization you know, there was talk at the time by the politicians, we got to kill the Indian in the child. That was the whole idea. So, you know, that was what it was about. So the Royal Commission made the point that even if you took that abuse away, which was terrible and profoundly harmful, the school still would have been a horrific experience that would have deeply damaged uh, the culture. Because, again, there's no indigenous language in Canada that is safe. They're all in danger, some more than others. Some have already disappeared. But, it, it, you know, it was almost mission accomplished. And I think it's just the resiliency of our people, of our, uh, our, our cultures, uh, the hard work of our elders, that it hasn't completely uh, disappeared, that we're actually still maybe able to turn this around. And hopefully this is an era of reconciliation. The, the thing in Kamloops is terrible, but I'll tell you one of the most, uh, it's shocking for uh, most Canadians, What's surprising is most Indigenous people weren't shocked by it. I mean, of course, they, they, they grieve these 215 lost children, but the, the, the communities know that this was these, a lot of these schools, instead of playgrounds, have graveyards next to them. Mm -hmm. And the Truth and Reconciliation Commission said they could confirm at least 3,000 children who never came home, at least 3,000. And one of the messages from Indigenous people, you know, was, you know what, be ready. This Kamloops, uh, this is just one instance. Uh, you know, Indigenous people are steadying themselves, but also telling Canada, be ready for, uh, for, for you know, for, for, for to, to, to be hearing more about this. So uh, there's nothing positive about it. Uh, it would be nice, though, if, you know, I think this has been a real shock uh, for a lot of Canadians, and it really is destroying that myth I used to hear about that, well, the people who set them up were trying to do the right thing, maybe it was misguided. No, they, they, they weren't right. trying to do the right thing, and it also gets away from something I used to hear about, well, my dad got the strap in school, and he didn't get compensation, and it's just so much, uh, oh you know, more profoundly uh, terrible than that. Oh, uh, and I think you're right. I think more will come out. I I saw that uh, in Nova Scotia and Shubenacadie, they're they're digging up the, right now. They're looking into the ground for for more of these mass graves. It's just uh, horrible. What do you think should be next? What do you think the right steps? I know that's a big question, but but how do we as a as a country make it? Not better because there's no way, really. I mean, these people are lost forever. But but, but what, with, with limited things to do, what would be the best step, right? right. Like yeah. what what could we do, what could we do as Canadians? What? Well, I, you know, it, you're right. It is a big question, and you know, the Royal Commission on Aboriginal Peoples, but it put forward its 20 year plan for change in 1996. I mean, that report was five volumes. You know, so wow. I mean, that's, that kind of you know, shows how uh, how much there's due. But but however, it's a good question because Canadians, I know when these things happen, like what you know, what do we do? And sometimes you know, you can't overwhelm people because they just get overwhelmed and go, you know what? I'm going to donate to Plan Canada because I don't know how to deal with this indigenous thing in Canada. So so there's a couple things. I think there's the the looking back, which a lot of indigenous communities right now are saying, let's 
find these, you know, Julian, as you said, Shubenacadie and other places. Let, let's do that. We want a full uh, examination of every school. So, and I think that's important. Uh, you know, there won't be any reconciliation without truth. You need truth and reconciliation. Right. So, so, so let's do that along with the other, uh, you know, work we need to do about coming to grips with our history. I think uh, going forward, there's already been a couple of things that could really be useful. You know, there's been um, uh, legislation, federal legislation passed that will support indigenous approaches to language revitalization and I think that's key. Let's start letting indigenous people set the path forward. I mean the whole one of the big problems we've had is government saying we know what's best for you, we know what, to, let, let us handle it, we, we got it all taken care of and of course it hasn't worked. So uh, you know there's legislation to revitalize uh, indigenous languages which is a lot of work but there's a lot of indigenous uh, groups and people doing really good things. There is also an Indigenous Child Welfare Act that has been passed, which will let Indigenous people set up their own child welfare systems, which is really important. This is really, you know, a 180 turn from the residential schools uh, and the, uh, you know, apprehension of kids, which has been a big part of Canadian history. The, the other bigger thing I think that you hit on earlier was um, public education, mm -hmm. which is not just sort of more you know, documentaries and, uh, you know, uh, speak, speeches and, and museum exhibits. I mean, I think all that's important, but also real curriculum change because you're right, uh, Julian, we don't learn about this. I went to a suburban high school in Winnipeg. You know, I, I learned that, uh, yeah, there were some people here before the, the settlers came over, and then they came over, and, okay, we fast forward 100 years, and, okay, here we are today. And I think if you don't right. know the history... And then you look at, you know, some of the impoverished conditions or some of the people, you know, living in poverty, uh, people with, with uh, you know, substance abuse problems. I think if you don't know that history, you're just left to conclude, well, I guess they just couldn't make it in this modern age, these poor First Nations people. But no, there's a whole history there that people need to learn not to be shamed or feel horrible about, but just to understand where we've been so we know how we got to where we are and we can figure out where we go forward. So I think it, I've always said, you know, there's more ignorance in Canada, and I don't mean ignorance in the pejorative sense, like I don't mean people are dumb. There's more ignorance than there is racism. And I think when people learn that, you know, Canadians, when you talk to people about it, when they themselves, you know, reach out and, you know, read up or watch documentaries, a little light goes on and they go, oh, okay, yeah, I, I, I get it. I didn't know this before. So I think that's a huge thing as well is uh, uh, public education and not just making people go out and educate themselves, but there's ways to teach this stuff in schools that will not traumatize uh, young people. There's curriculum out there that can help bring it into schools. I think that's a huge, uh, a huge part of it. Yeah, I, think, I think as be being a survivor... Um, of the residential schools, for instance, as that one, one thing that we're talking about right now, or even being a family member of like you being the son of your, you know, father who had to uh, endure that kind of suffering, it would be, how do you control the anger of not even being acknowledged? Like that as a culture must be so hard not to be either wanting to, um, you know, like, escape it by not acknowledge like you know how how does a culture do you not get so angry that it's not at least acknowledged and taught in schools like and and that there's not a collective awareness of it like that would that would make me insane yeah yeah and you know what i'm I, i'm seeing online 
uh, indigenous people, some, not all, I don't, but there is a bit of that feeling right now, like, like people saying, settlers, quit asking me to do your homework for you, you know, yeah. read up on it. And, and, and I totally get where that's coming from. On the other hand, I think, and, and by the way, people who feel that way probably shouldn't, uh, they probably should go with their emotion because, you know, I've always found if I start yelling at you, Jen or Julian, about it and like telling right. you like how horrible your people are, you're probably just going to walk away and mm-hmm. go, okay, whatever, dude, you know, <laughs> and, and, and that's fair, you know, who wants to be, be lectured? So I think, I think there's, there, there's ways to do it, but I am seeing that frustration with, you know, you got to educate yourself. I just think as tough as it is sometimes, I, I think people who feel willing to share and to, um, to try to bridge that gap of understanding, I think that's really important because, uh, you know, that's just a, by dialogue and, and communicating and talking and understanding that that leads to hopefully, you know, uh, awareness and action. So I, I think it's worth doing that, even though it can be tremendously frustrating. You know, we yeah. you may remember that, that Senator Lynn Bayak, who was, uh, she said exactly, I haven't heard her, by the way, chiming in on this, but she's the one who said, well, my friend in high school dated a native guy and he went to residential school so I know you know a lot about it and they were good places they learned a lot of good things a lot of good people worked in those schools and you know that's a senator right and well a former senator she she stepped down but I mean you know that's out there and uh, it is really frustrating but if, if we close off the channels of communication then I don't think any I don't think it's necessarily going to get better yeah, and you're right. It boils down to you nailed it right on the or hit the nail on the head with. with uh, there's just a huge gap in our history. It's like we got here and then zip. We fast forward 150 years, and that's that's what's taught. And also, language, uh, language uh, revitalization, as you said, I think is important. I couldn't believe I went to Nunavut, and you can see the language, the beautifully written language on stop signs and street signs and everywhere. And I don't know how to read one letter or say one word. And like, how are they not teaching us that in school? It's our First Nations, it's our Indigenous peoples, you know, no clue, like not one. And it's just, that to me was was, um, mind-boggling when I went up there. I was like, I don't know any of this, like any, none none of it. Not not only do I, no pun intended, not only do I uh, (laughs) not know the history, but even just the basics of the language, any of the languages. Well, I, you know, I don't speak my, I know some of my language. I'm not fluent in it by any stretch. Mm-hmm. Um, and I've seen, like you say, the syllabics, um, uh, Mohawks, or as they call themselves, the Haudenosaunee have their own syllabics. And uh, some of them are numbers. And I'm the same way. <laughs> how do I pronounce a seven? What do, what's, what's the seven? <laughs> so how do I say that? <laughs> but, but yeah, and, uh, I don't speak my language. I'm doing my best to learn what I can. But my dad is fluent. He never mm-hmm. lost his language. But he didn't teach it to us, and it's interesting, not because he was ashamed. He's, if I may say, a tremendously articulate uh, uh, elder. But he wasn't ashamed, but he came out angry. And and his thinking was, learn their language. You learn it and, you know, learn to use it as good or better than they can because that's what they've used against us in their their courts, you know, in in their political domain. So that was his uh, real thing. He was always big on, uh, you know, learning to... Uh, you know, learning to be able to express yourself. So that that's where he came from. And uh, but he now regrets, of course, not teaching us the language. So yeah. I mean, it, it's it's it, it's it. I wish I spoke it more because that's the only way to understand your uh, your culture. Your that that's the 
language of song and ceremony and our laws and uh, uh, worldviews. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, you, you try to do what you can. But, uh, and of course, I didn't get a chance in school to learn it either. Right. I, I guess like learning all the languages is a t- tall order, but even just knowing about them, like how many letters and symbols has one language, you, you know, like yeah, just the, just the basics of overview. Just like, yeah. okay, because th- do you know how many languages there are, like First Nations, Indigenous languages? I mean, like... Yeah, they're, they're, well, in Canada, what is now called Canada, as we always say, yeah. there's, <laughs> there's about 60. Wow. And uh, yeah, and that's, and, and you know, it's funny because that connects directly to how many uh, First Nations there are. You know, a lot of, well, sorry, I should say Indigenous people there are because I don't want to leave out the Metis and the Inuit. But, uh, you know, there's a little confusion because reserves, you know, as a bit of a political statement, a lot of them call themselves First Nations. Like, I'm from the Ojibwe's of Onigaming First Nation, but the real First Nations. Uh, you know, were not the reserves, the, the government-created reserves. So they, they were the Ojibwe or the Anishinaabe, the Mohawk or the Haudenosaunee, as they call themselves, the, uh, the you know, the, the, the Cree, the Mi'kmaq on the east. I mean, those are the actual First Nations, and they all have their own languages, laws, cultures, ceremonies, spirituality, and the language, of course, is, uh, it, it, they go together, right? It, it's, it, culture is embedded in language. So can you just tell me briefly the difference between because you're you're careful about using indigenous and first nations and and could you educate me on the the two just quick? Yeah, and Jules, yeah, I just but... noticed that it's uh, eight ten, so oh, we should probably well... let Don go soon. Yeah, he's got to work. Oh yeah, right. But- but oh no, I'm I'm fine. But of course, yeah, I know we don't want to go too long. But uh, I hope everyone's enjoying and laughing at, at our hot takes this morning. <laughs> well, you you know what? It's not. It, we we always remind ourselves. Oh, remember when this is a comedy show? And I'm like, no, no. Um, but the, the, I'm getting a lot of really positive comments here. I, we get comments from our uh, people who are watching live, and everybody's really loving it. And commenting and agreeing with you and loving everything that you're saying and great conversation all kinds of great comments so just want to well I'll, I'll, I'll really quickly answer julian's question but i do want to say this is what's great you know and, and this is like i mentioned earlier about you know the national chief being willing to go on 22 minutes or other mm-hmm. shows is you know these are the kind of things you know i've done stuff with live 88.5 a local rock radio station where they want to hear about it because it's a good way to speak to people who they're not bad people it's just their parents they're busy or they're sports fans they want to talk about the game um so it's nice to be able to get the forums where people you know that's again how you can sort of reach out to people is uh you know they're not tuning in to anyone who goes into hear a lecture about indigenous history is probably halfway there anyway so it's, right. it's, it's nice to, you know to, to reach out but uh yeah so let's a little a little uh uh a little uh, canadiana or turtle island iana whatever um canada you got indigenous people refers to the three broad indigenous groups so the inuit mm-hmm. uh the metis and first nations but always remember first nations is a broad first nations is about as useful and useless as saying Europeans, because you're talking about the Anishinaabe, the Cree, the Haida, the Dene, uh, but they are, you know, the, the original peoples of the land, and they're what used to be called Indians, and Canada's constitution recognizes those three groups, and it uses the word Indians, uh, Indians, Métis, and Inuit, so that's Indigenous. When you say Indigenous, you're including Métis and Inuit. Okay. Uh, if you say First Nations, you're referring more specifically to, uh, yeah, what used to be called Indians. Okay. I'm glad you you clarified that. See now, you know this is how we slowly bridge the gap. 
Yeah, let's let's make this a regular part of your pod, a, a ten minute <laughs> lecture on indigenous issues every yeah. every podcast. I'm well, game. <laughs> yeah, we you know we love you. We'd love to have you on anytime you want to come on. Of course. Yeah, lots lots of really great comments. Uh, one of our friends and uh, loyal listeners says, "I'm so grateful for this guest. Emotional, but very important." And that's the thing. Like we are. We're not, we actually changed the name of our podcast because it used to have the word comedy in it. And it's a lot of pressure to be <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> funny all the time when, when you record. We're every single morning, like every weekday um, business, uh, Monday to Friday, 7 a.m., we, we're on. So we're not all laughs all the time. There's going to be some more laughs than probably most podcasts. But, um, you know, we do, we like talk about real things and really important things. And this is a very important topic. And I'm mm-hmm. glad oh. that we have someone has educated and clever as you to talk about it. Well, it's great. I know we're wrapping up. I'll just give you one example that goes the other way though. When I used to work at the assembly of first nations, there would be like a story that would hit like the one we were just talking about or, or like a major announcement about some serious like child welfare initiative or something. And we would often get, you know, calls from, you know, your, your globe and mail and, and Canadian press and others and it would, the phones would be going crazy and we're trying to organize interviews for the national chief and there would always be at least one call that we would get where the phone would ring we'd pick it up and go hey it's the captain from Rock Moose FM <laughs> the national chief on to take some questions maybe a few crazy calls what do you think maybe just half an hour of his time you know? <laughs> so, sometimes we should we should do those right you want to reach people but anyways it's it's been a great I mean I'm, I'm fired up now for the rest of my day and uh, yeah it's, it's it's quarter after eight so <laughs> I'm feeling good <laughs> please come back on the show we, we would love to have you on regularly yeah, Don. Uh, love to be on. Sorry, Julian, I jumped on you. No, that's it. I was just gonna gonna um, double down and say uh, absolutely anytime. And and we love you. We miss you. We miss seeing you in in person. And uh, follow Don Kelly on all the yeah, social do media, you have Facebook. To promote? Uh, I got the uh, the Indigenous show this Saturday. Uh, just go to uh, search Gotland on Facebook or Google. It's the uh, uh, summer solstice show any of those terms should should kick it up it's online it's free it's the one i mentioned i did my zoom show to no audience and uh late june i think around the 18th they're hoping uh yucks can open again on the rooftop there so at oh, Tretoria, no i believe it is and i'm supposed to be there if it happens let's hope so and jen i mean julian you guys will probably be getting the call as well because uh they're going to be looking local to start so i'm sure where is yuck yucks because i know they changed their location where are they going to be just so that everybody understands uh Preston and Gladstone. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. On the rooftop. On the rooftop. Is that going to be like like the the Beatles get back of comedy? Yeah. (laughs) Is it going to re-spark the comedy club wars, do you think, being so close to uh, the competitors? One wonders, but I mean, is uh, has there ever been a truce in that war? Right. Yeah, true. And and do we even care anymore? Like, does anybody care? Other than the two top guys. Hey, we're all one big happy family, right? That's right. Yes. So I'm going to post the link. I found it while we were chatting here for your show this coming uh, Saturday, you said, right? Yeah, and I I plan to watch it live, and uh, I think you can chat and everything, and it's going to be funny. You'll see my my set to no audience and uh, see how my timing plays out. You'll be able to (laughs) laugh at your own... uh... Uh, you'll be able to fill in the bl- you'll be able to to help the comic out on stage by laughing and that comic will be you 
Do you know That's how right. much? Do you know how much it is uh, the show this Saturday? It's it's, it's free. I believe free it's show. it's free. Nice. I think you just tune in. Yeah, yeah. Love it. Well, public education, gang. There it is. Love it. And there he goes. And follow uh, n- uh, at not the Don Kelly on Instagram and look him up on Facebook as well for upcoming uh, show dates and all of the fun stuff. Don Kelly. We love you. Thank you so much. Hey, there we go. <laughs> Hope to see you and Wendy soon. Thanks for having you guys. I miss you guys, and we got to get together again really soon. Absolutely. Please, please, please. Say hi to Wendy. I will do. Okay, bye. All right, see you later. There he goes, Don Kelly. That was great. That was really, really great. So great. Generous with his time, and um, it's, uh, yeah. He's he's the perfect guy to talk to for... for um, for uh you know the current affairs and everything that's Absolutely. happening because he's uh well he's a friend so we can ask dumb questions because that's the thing he's like he he mentioned it and he said there's an ignorance and yep. and i fully am ignorant to i just don't know a lot of things so I'm, you tiptoe you don't want to ask the wrong that's questions or, or even ask the the right question but the wrong way and so but he's just you know he's a he's a dear friend and he's um he understands both sides and that people want to learn and, and to bridge that gap. So he was, yeah. uh, he was really great in, in communicating that efficiently and, um, you know, making it so that we're not, uh, tiptoeing or on eggshells. We can just like be talk like yeah. people talk. So thank you endlessly to Don Kelly. Once again, follow him at uh, not the Don Kelly on Instagram and Facebook Don Kelly for mind, all of your Don Kelly needs. Do you mind while you do the? Uh, can you dance alone while I? Do you think you'll be able to pish during a dance? Yeah, I'm gonna try. Go ahead. Okay. Because I'll go after. <laughs> <laughs> That's the thing. Uh, I'm very happy that we're we're having more and more guests. Oh, we've got a couple big guests coming up. Uh, as I said, Derek Sagan on Monday. Then we're taking Tuesday and Wednesday off. And but uh, we reached out to a few big gets. A few that wasn't a typo. Gets guests uh, that will uh, we've confirmed. We're just lining up uh, specific dates. So stay tuned. Like the uh, Julian Dion show with Jen Grant Facebook page. There's also a Facebook group. And follow us on Instagram at Julian Dion show for uh, all upcoming uh, guests and teasers to shows. Also follow Jen Grant on Instagram. I know that uh, she's looking for followers. Yeah. But yeah, so doing these longer shows with guests... Because I start my day off, I drink a liter of lemon water. Oh my God, here we go. And I often, often have another liter of barley life before. Often, often. Often. Go, go and I'll dance alone. Go. What? Because I like your response when I'm doing the dance. Okay, but dose. hold on, hold on. Let but me, you uh, can go and try to oof. do it during the dance. Okay. Let me get ready. Daily dose, daily dose, get the news from coast to coast. Daily dose, daily dose, all your news from coast to all coast. All the news and headlines from Jim Grant. 
Okay. Here is your Daily Dose for Thursday, June 3rd. Usually I would have the soundboard doing the applause. So Julian is in the bathroom. I wish I had the soundboard because then I could do the whole like pee sound that he has and everything. But I don't have, I have to rely on my just being a human over here without a soundboard. So I'm basically a better person. So what I'm trying to say. Okay. So the Daily Dose um, found out today that the uh, premier uh, of Ontario says that he's, Doug Ford, is waiting to for advice um, about whether we can go to step one of opening up Ontario, which um, is a is a really positive thing, but there is a lot of backlash from parents because they've decided that kids will not go back to school in Ontario for the rest of the school year. I know that my sister uh, messaged me saying that she's like, oh, because it, it's, even though obviously she wants and everybody wants everybody to be safe, especially children. And I guess the variants can affect children um, worse than the other, oh any other. So that's, we need to keep everyone safe, but it is really hard on the parents um, to try to manage everything and balance it. Can you imagine? I can't imagine. I know. So uh, when, when are they sending little girls in uh, elementary school and tr- trying to get the learning and, online and the kids miss their friends and it's everything's hard when are they sending the cats back to school because yeah. i'm uh, it's a handful every morning oh yeah i know tell me but it's the same thing right that's the thing so they say that doug ford says we're we're doing as well as a province can do as things are going we may be able to enter step one earlier safe safely earlier than june 14th he says, uh, I know it's very important for people in Ontario to get to step one, uh, to get to step one, to get to step two as soon and as safe um, to do so, as it's safe to do so. So the step one would allow for outdoor gathering limits to increase to 10 people, the reopening of patios and non-essential retail to reopen at 15% capacity. Oh so that would be nice. That would be nice. Yeah. But but like I said, the um, and like things like campsites would have um, a June 8th opening, which I think is really great, too, for a, a lot of people are camping more. Um, Should we start camping? I think it'd be pretty fun, but we kind of camp here. Like, that's the thing. But we, I mean, we, with like a tent. No. You don't, you're not, not into, into tents. No. What about if we get like a little trailer, like my parents, like that little tiny thing? I like thing. this. I, I don't know. We're already oh, in the we're, country. We're not camping. We actually, we're in a full-blown house. Yeah, I know, but we're in the country, <laughs> Where they though. are. I know, but I mean camping. No, I'm not, not really. Like, I don't, I don't mind. Where you cook over a fire or, or like. I don't uh, mind doing a little bit of that, but. We're, but I can't believe you compared this to camping. We live in <laughs> we live in a full blown two story house with like plumbing and yeah, running water. Yeah, but we spend a lot of time outside in the summer. So I know, but it's not even close. Let's to just ca- barbecue more. Okay. Mm, no. All right. Do you want to? What do you want to do? There goes my idea. Ah! <laughs> oh, I'm gonna be doing that for everything. So. There were some uh, photos of 
Premier Jason Kenney and members of the UCP caucus dining together on a rooftop patio. And um, that's drawing criticism. This is in Alberta over uh, uh, over the provinces. uh, Over these guys are basically ignoring the rules that they're trying to get everybody else to do. Are you showing the pictures? Sure. The group was spotted on the balcony of the Sky Palace. It's also very elaborate because it's like up really high and it's and it's like, you know, it looks really fancy. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. So they were s- spotted on the balcony. <laughs> Look at this little cutie. Oh, the picture's showing. Yeah. On the balcony of the Sky Palace of the Federal Building in Edmonton on the evening of June 1st. Um, by a concerned Albertan. I don't know how somebody got this picture, They're, but c- are they really concerned? They're go- guy uh, the guys of I'm concerned for all Albertans, or are they just? It's a gotcha moment. It's a like this. It's I, I like when politicians get caught for doing exactly the opposite of what they preach and say on TV. That's great, but this person they wanted the, the, them busted. It wasn't a concern. Yeah, it's true. Sounds like I'm concerned for all, <clears throat> all Canadians. <laughs> no, this was someone that's like, yes, gotcha, and this is the society we live in now. I'm yeah. going to have my 15 minutes. Yeah. Uh, they're wrong. They're in the wrong. The politicians for doing this, obviously, but to pretend that uh, this is under the guise of a concerned fellow Albertan, I don't. I don't buy it. Yeah says um, here that uh, the NDP opposition leader, Rachel Notley, took exception with what, sh- what she views is as a violation of pandemic-related restrictions. It's a good opportunity to op- for opposing parties to really, you know, put in their s- two cents. She says, Albertans expect leaders to lead, not break the rules from the top of their castle. And, and it's true. You know, top of their castle. It's yeah. just like being up top, too, is just such a... A um, what do you call it? Like a oh, a metaphor for oh well, we're up here and we can do whatever the hell we want. And I mean, it is a good point because they showed video uh, and pictures. There, I don't know if you showed every picture. I wasn't paying mm-hmm. attention, but that this the, you're not supposed to have lots of different people from different households uh, sitting at a table. And then the servers aren't wearing masks either, and they're going in and out and in and out, and you're not supposed to do that. So yeah, they're definitely and then in the wrong. Of, of course, did you see the close-up shots yeah. of the bottles, like all the booze and everything? They're really painting this picture of like them not giving two shits, and then having like this huge party, and like there's do as I say, not do Jameson as I do. Jameson wine. Yeah. No, and it, I know it is annoying when, and I'm glad they got busted. It's just also telling of the times where people, people are just ratting out their neighbors and stuff. Yeah. It's like, yeah. Mm-hmm. And But also, I love when politicians get caught. Gavin Newsom in, in California that happened to him and happened to the mayor of Montreal recently. I mean, they, they go on TV and preach these things. And it's like you said, yeah. Do as I say, not do as I do. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> yeah. And um, the other thing is when people start drinking like that, you can't tell me they're not getting looser about, I mean, you make bad, cho- that's the whole point. That's why people like drinking is because you don't care as much about things like rules and, mm-hmm. and you eat, you know, McDonald's and make decisions like that when you're drinking. Cause you're like, well, I'm drunk. 
So no, no, it doesn't have to be a boom boom. Oh, I just thought McDonald's was a no. Oh my god, no, but you make bad choices basically. Yeah. This is a nice story. Canadian charities that create wigs for children in need are seeing a spike in donations as some people have now gone more than a year without a trim. That is nice. Mm -hmm. Wigs for Kids Canada, a nonprofit organization based out of St. Catharines, Ontario, that designs wigs made out of human hair for children with cancer and other medical conditions, is seeing more donations than ever thanks to barbershops and hair salons closing for long stretches of the COVID 19 pandemic. There's that full COVID 19 word. Yeah. (laughs) Anyway, so the average before, uh, they'd probably get. From 160 to 180 donations a week, which is very impressive too, and now they're they're seeing around 200 a week, which makes a big difference over the course of of a year. So that's really awesome news. And you know, one thing I that struck me from this story was there is a tendency to really think that the world's going to hell in a handbasket, and people, so many people are you know terrible people, but. I, the more you volunteer and the more you do nice things, you'll realize there's a lot of nice people in the world. Actually, there's more nice people than there are bad people. Mm-hmm. Like go donate blood. I I may have mentioned this on the podcast before. Worth mentioning again. Um, when I donated blood, people, <laughs> <laughs> the dogs are playing. It's so cute. Um, you realize how many nice people there are. I, there was like a huge waiting list for me to donate blood. Like, huge. There wasn't even any chairs for me to sit on. There were that many people. So, you know, the news does tell a story about bad news and shitty people, but there are a lot of good people in the world. Mm -hmm. So, that's a really good news story. And, um, let's see, I believe... Oh, no, one more thing. Um, Air passengers entering Canada who refuse to quarantine in a designated hotel will soon be subject to a $5,000 fine. So it used to be, it used to be less and now it's a lot more. So, uh, it's a $2,000 increase from the current fine. And some people are saying, go ahead. I don't give a shit. I'm not paying the fine. So good luck. There's the people were being interviewed saying, yeah, you're not getting that out of me anyways. Go ahead. Yeah. And then other people that are like. I don't care. I'll pay the fine just so I can friggin' vacation. Some people have money like that. So anyway, um, I think it's good, though, that they're finding finding people who don't follow the rules. And also, I think it's good to have a deterrent for... Can you guys hear that, I wonder? Can they hear the dogs fighting? It doesn't matter. No, no, it's just funny. What's up? Hold on. Gordy sounds like Chewbacca. And of course they stop. Yeah, as soon as I crank, as soon as I, I crank the game, they stop. Yeah. Okay, wait. Hold on. <laughs> How do you guys know? Anyway, so uh, so I think it's good because I think a lot of the transmission obviously was happening from people traveling from other countries. It's clear that's what happened. So without them quarantining. So anyway, that's your daily dose for today. Daily dose, daily dose, get the news from coast to coast. Daily dose, daily dose, all your news from coast to coast. All the news and headlines from Jen Grant. Good stuff, Jen. Grant.com. Fantastic. Well, this has been a great episode. 
Yeah. Lick, lick, lick. You just love licking. You love kisses. <clears throat> okay. Whoops. Nope. Yeah. There it is. Well, mm-hmm. <laughs> this like is Hudson, keep by saying, the way. This I just is keep Hudson. Saying, well, hey, are you Hudson? Yeah, this is Hudson. This is are why Nucky hasn't been able to be here because uh, Hudson would probably lose his eyeballs. too long well thanks for watching today's show ladies and gentlemen we appreciate you being here <laughs> Jen is over there making out with the doggy just licked his nuts and then her mouth now she's gonna try to kiss me stay away until you Listerine or do something to get the snake out of your face. Come on. Thank you very much. Oh, all right. Um, when are we? Oh, this one's 14 minutes and 56 seconds long. Should we do it? No. Uh-huh. And now he's licking your face. He's licking all over here the place. Lick, lick, lick. We call it ass to mouth, but different. Uh, the good news about this song is there's only 15 seconds left, so you don't have to endure the smell of balls for too, too long. It's a short one. No pun intended. Yeah, come on, Jenny. It's hard to say no to Eight seconds. Yeah, they're sometimes lame. They're sometimes forced. Well, it's it's hard when you're improvising and it's a fast tempo. It's like... What's it like? What again? No. I, I already got it. <laughs> uh. I love you, do. <laughs> oh, it what? says Jen Wobot. Yeah. Oh, my God. I love you, do. I love you. Um, I love you, do. Okay. Mark T says you guys scored really great guests. Yeah, I agree. Thank you, Mark T. I think this mic um, windscreen is giving me a pimpy on my... Well, maybe you should wash it? The mic windscreen? No, you're pimpy. <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, that's it. That's the show. <laughs> We're done. You're done. You're done. You're done. What's going on? Comments or something? Yeah. What do you want me to do after that? Yeah. What do you mean? What, what do you want me to do? Don't tell me nothing. Whoops.
What? Nothing. <laughs>
We'll see you tomorrow, everybody. And until then, watch your head for the second time. Get a piece of my mind instead. I'll roll over and go back to bed. It's such a beautiful waste of time. A waste of time. A beautiful waste of time. I love you, dear.